Welcome to The Grinning Possum, a podcast about poetry, old-time music, geography, history, and interesting people who put their hands to work. I'm your host, Morris Manning. If it's homespun, homegrown, or just plain down-home, we tend to like it. We cover everything from leather britches to thunder mugs, pokeweed to polecats, and a heap of critters in between. We can even promise the occasional shoeless ditty and witty oddity. Our aim is to go from this to this. From a plain and simple beginning to something lovely most any raw materials can make. Each episode pokes around a corner of Appalachian culture and tradition and wraps it all up in a frolic. As one old timer liked to say, if you've got an itchy ear, just listen at this. And that's all you have to do. The poem we're going to record today is called A Reaching Thing. And there's a portion of the poem that takes place in a church. And so to make a connection with that, we are recording today in the Old Mud Meeting House in Mercer County. It's the oldest Dutch Reformed church west of the Appalachian Mountains, built in 1800. And it's called the Old Mud Meeting House because in fact the walls are made of mud. The rest of the structure is made of continuous massive beams of wood that would have been cut from the virgin trees that grew here when settlers first came. I'm standing in the pulpit underneath an octagonal piece of wood that's known as a sounding board, which is not unlike um, a sounding board and stringed instruments, guitars and banjos and dulcimers have sounding boards. So in a way we are standing inside an instrument. A reaching thing. The Swopes were fine people, upstanding with unremarkable children except for the baby, Luther, known as Lute, who claimed a truth-telling haint was always following him around to jump in if someone was lying or plank blind to an obvious truth because Lute was simple-minded and prone to fall for falsehoods big and small. Lute said the haint was Ballard Boggs, the ghost of a blacksmith who died 152 years ago, not at the forge, as one might expect, but from a tree blown down in a storm on top of the privy where Ballard Boggs at midnight with a plop of triumph had lately concluded his final heave of relief as a living soul in the world. The ghost of Ball Boggs had clearly conveyed the dire and tragic details of his demise to loot Swope over the course of their long acquaintance after Ball arrived in ghostly form to serve Lute Swope as his protector. The fact that Lute could speak of his haint and the sad result of Ball's life with sympathy and plain knowledge made Lute's belief in a ghost persuasive. Nobody doubted Ball was real. He was a powerful help to Lute in school especially when the answer to a question was either true or false. When that was the case, Lute Swope stood high above the other scholars. Thanks to the wisdom of old Ball, there was a brain and a half between them. 
But matters got pinched when Luke went to church, as he often did with his humble folks. They'd sit in the pew for the preacher's blast against every happiness in the world and a few no one had ever heard of, like the sin of loving the world. And the people would fall out crying because they'd learned another thing they shouldn't do, but likely had done it a time or two. So they wept in shame. And then old Ball, the ghost, would lean in the ear of Lut and whisper, He's wrong. He's got it wrong. That preacher's awful loud, but he's got it wrong. The Spirit is a reaching thing and reaches out from all creation. Wherever you are, it's bound to find you. To shout that the only thing to do is to ramble sad and broken down the road of suffering because that's all there is in the world, sorrow after sorrow until the joyous day of death, is a damnable bane of the truth. He's preaching the gospel of misery. So eventually, such instruction prompted young Luther Swope to speak after the preacher strutted and cried in rage and sent the congregation to hell, ending with a vicious amen. Now, preacher, I've got a haint named Ball, killed in an outhouse accident, who speaks to me and says you're wrong. He says you're preaching pure deception. You've made us all feel terrible and told us the world is only a place to suffer out a pitiful life. And now you're fixing to pass the plate to pay you for making us feel helpless. But all around us here is hope. Grass heads toss in the wind. An old mule finds the shade. A seed pops up out of the ground on its way to climbing up the pole. Brothers and sisters, I ask you now, does that sound like misery to you? I wasn't blessed with brains, but thanks to Ballard Boggs, my haint, I've learned how to see the world for what it is, the life that makes our lives have meaning because it reaches out to us and claims us all wherever we are. And the world reached out for Ballard Boggs in the outhouse that night when the tree fell down in the storm and mashed him flatter than a railroad penny. A moment after Ball delivered his last burden down the hole, as they say, and received his final recognition, but in that instant, he knew he belonged. My fellow believers, why shouldn't we also belong? Isn't that our call, to belong to the world we're in right now? Isn't that a comfort to hold, to belong to each other and the world? That's what I've learned from a haint who loved the world so well he came back to it. Say 
secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way. This poem is called The Finding Place. Walking the top of Persimmon Knob on a chill spring day, I met a man it startled me to meet because there's not a need to go that far unless you're of the ilk to wander the woods and attend at the green dream. It's only a place to trace alone and be reminded that wandering alone in silence is strange comfort and thus must be an ancient haunt. So chancing upon someone else, especially an old man who's shaky but clear in his mind, upends the order of being alone. He said he was looking for a grave, cradled in a clearing surrounded by a ring of beech and poplar trees where whippoorwills weave the night. It sounds, I said, like a lovely spot, but I've never seen a grave up here. Well, I don't expect there is one yet. He halfway laughed and looked around. I'm tired and running out of days and need a place to plant myself. So you're looking for your own grave? I'm only looking for the spot up here where I imagine it. Up here where you imagine a spot? No, no, the spot where I imagine I see my grave. I see, I said. Well, I come up here to be alone, but then you find out that you're not because you've wandered into the green where the symbol and the fact are one, he said, like stepping into heaven. 
I've always called it the green dream, I said, because I lose myself when I come up here, but I don't feel lost. There's a voice up here, the old man said, a calling voice we both can hear because this here's a finding place, he grinned, the finest one around and raised a hand to cup his ear, and a finding place is where you aim when your days run out, to plant yourself. We stood there, paused in the green shade in the very clearing he had seen in his dream, with the dawning ring of trees and his own grave cradled in it. The thing about a finding place is it finds you and won't let go. We're supposed to find a finding place, I reckon, but we don't do the finding. It's strange and backwards how it goes. The folks who live with so much fuss and fret don't have a finding place. Sounds like you're settled on that, I said. I am, he said. I pity all the folks who can't find a place where they are. You mean the symbol and the fact don't hitch together for some, I asked to point them clearly how to go. I mean, my green companion here, they don't know what a symbol is. And if they won't get hold of that, they'll never find a finding place and never know of the living symbol that where we live and die is in it. And now you know why I am here to find the spot in my finding place to plant myself when I am gone for soon I'll be a symbol too, and I am also here for you, and the meaning of my life will double, and the life will only lead to life, which is all you learn in a finding place before you're stunned by the beauty there, and the beauty sets you back to step away and blink at the bare distance. That's how you know a finding place, your home and in the distance at once, and there, and there you find yourself to see your life like a leaf glimmer in green life before it flutters down at the end to feed the finding place where you belong, where you began, and where you wander to remain up here on the top of Persimmon Knob. You've been listening to The Grinning Possum, a podcast from Kentucky. If you like what you've heard, please share it with a friend. Thank you kindly for your time, and keep it in your pouch. The Grinning Possum podcast is written and performed by Morris Manning. The show is engineered and edited by Steve Cody and is funded with a grant from the Kentucky Arts Council, the state arts agency, which is supported with federal funding from the National Endowment for the Arts.